So Ephesians 6 at verse 21. This is God's holy word. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That's as far as we'll read. May God add his blessing to his word. Beloved, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 asks a very searching question. In that verse we read, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. A faithful person who can find. The psalmist in Psalm 12 turns that question into a prayer. When he prays in the first verse of Psalm 12, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. A faithful person who can find. Help, Lord, the faithful are disappearing. So certainly A.W. Pink was on the right track when he said not that long ago, faithful people have always been in a marked minority. And yet, here in Ephesians 6, we have a great encouragement and role model in this first century Christian, Tychicus. There's lots that we don't know about him, but what we know is worth its weight in gold. Last time we considered him as a beloved brother. He formed part of the Christian family of love, along with every other believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Apostle Paul didn't stop there. He added a second commendation of his beloved brother. Faithful servant. Faithful servant. That's so simple, but so beautiful. And I think the more that you think of it, in light of all the Word of God, the more beautiful it becomes. That a man or a woman or a boy or a girl could be called a faithful servant. What a beautiful thing to be said about someone. Wouldn't you be content? Wouldn't you be perfectly content to have those two words as the epitaph on your life? Faithful servant. Lord, I would want no more. I would ask nothing else but that this would be said of me. Faithful 
sir. Well, what's involved in those words? It isn't good enough just to say the words and have them ringing in our ears. They need to be ringing in our hearts and in our minds. What is involved? We're going to just look briefly at these two. I'm going to do them together. We could have easily separated them out. We're going to look at them together. First, servant. Servant. It's the common Greek word diakonos. And some debate exists as to whether this word in the case of Tychicus was formal or informal. I think it's helpful to compare Colossians 4, 7, where Paul wrote, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant, it's the same language, and fellow bond servant, doulos, the fellow bond servant in the Lord. So I think from Colossians 4, 7, it's probably true that this Tychicus was also an ordained servant in the church. But the word servant applies to every Christian, no matter who you are. Jesus said in John 12, whoever serves me, same word, diakonos, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Every Christian is a servant of God. Christians are identified in many ways in the Bible. We are children. We are citizens. We are saints. But here is something we must never forget and we must never ignore. We are servants. We are servants. Now, just two brief implications from that identity. If you're a Christian this morning, you are a servant. Well, if you are a servant, you have a master. The word servant implies a master. Jesus is never merely a savior. He is always also Lord. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you call on Jesus as savior in the same breath, you must call upon him as master and Lord. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. How life-transforming is that gospel reality. You are not your own. You have a master. And secondly, the second implication is not only you have a master, you also have a duty to serve. If you're a servant, then you are called to serve, right? What kind of servant would you be if you refused to serve? A servant serves. Servant. Do you quickly or readily embrace that identity in your life? I'm a servant. That's a status generally despised by the world. Who are those people? They're the servants. Very interested to hear. I think it was last year, the year before, in one of the American Senate um, 
investigations of someone to be appointed to some post of authority uh, in the United States government. And one of the senators asked this amazing question. One of the, one of the most helpful, wise, penetrating, revealing questions I've almost ever heard from an American senator when he asked the potential appointee, what's the name of the person who cleans your office? Uh, um, uh, um. Why? Because so often, those are the servants. Those are the servants. Generally despised by the world, but precious in God's sight. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We should see ourselves as servants. Servants of the Most High God. One of my former professors, Dr. D. James Kennedy, would tell us the greatest leader isn't someone who looks at litter on the lawn as he walks by and says, that needs to be picked up. The great leader is the one who picks it up, who hasn't forgotten that we're servants. We're servants in this world. And we ought to be humble servants. This identity as servants should inculcate in us a great humility. We need to often hear the words of Luke 17, 10. So also, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. We need to hear that a lot, I think, many of us. I know that low self-esteem can possibly be a problem for some people. But for most of us, most often, the problem is actually inflated self-esteem. When we do great things, quote-unquote, or many things, or even sacrificial things in the Christian life, how quick are we to respond? I am an unworthy servant. I've only done my duty. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, said Paul in Romans 12, 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And remembering that we are servants is part of that sober self-judgment. And it's especially needed when a person is given some kind of position of authority. Many temptations with authority. Especially authority in the church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as servants for Christ's sake. And so pastors and elders and deacons as well, we are the servants of this congregation. And we need to remember that. We are the servants 
of this congregation. But we also need to remember, and here is often where problems arise. These men are your servants, but you are not their master. You are not their master. Paul served the church for Christ's sake. Jesus is their master. Jesus is the master of every true servant in his church. And he directs how they must and should serve. We need to remember all those things. So much there in the word servant, we could go on and on. But I was particularly drawn to, secondly, what kind of servant Tychicus was. Because the Bible talks about servants in all kinds of ways. Can you think of a few? The Bible talks about wicked servants. He talks about, the Bible talks about lazy servants. Even worthless servants. And so we just can't stop at servant. We say, what kind of servant was Tychicus? What kind of servant am I? Well, not wicked, not lazy, not worthless. Instead, Tychicus was faithful. Faithful. Paul commends Tychicus as being faithful. That's a word that's used in different ways in the New Testament, but here faithful almost certainly has the sense not so much of believing, the root word is faith, but rather has the sense of himself being trustworthy, reliable, consistent, devoted, dependable. When Paul thought of his beloved brother and his service to God and to men, Paul said, this servant is faithful. What a commendation. One Greek dictionary says faithful when it's used of persons, speaks of persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. Faithful. To be trustworthy, reliable, consistent, devoted, and dependable is to be faithful. And we should think about faithfulness in two general categories, I think, or it may be helpful to think in two general categories. First, we are to be faithful relationally. Faithful in relationships. The relationships of life, especially covenanted relationships, where the relationship is of such an importance and significance and beauty and blessing that it comes with vows. Marriage is a covenanted relationship. Faithfulness. Church membership is a covenanted relationship. We take vows. Faithfulness. I think we could even go down to business relationships in contracts. That's a covenanted relationship in a sense as well. Faithfulness. So faithfulness relationally. But secondly, faithfulness vocationally vocationally, the callings 
that you have in life. You think of all the different callings that are upon us in life, in the world, in the church. Are we faithful in discharging our duties, our callings? And so faithfulness covers both things. That really covers all of life. Faithful relationally. Faithful vocationally. And this was something that Tychicus had shown and proved to Paul as he worked and traveled beside him. He was a man of proven character. One writer said he had a proven record of reliable ministry in the cause of Christ. Now, out of those words this morning, and this one word in particular, faithful, a very simple question. Are you a faithful Christian? Are you a faithful Christian? Are you a faithful Christian in your relationships? Are you a faithful Christian in your responsibilities? Relationships and responsibilities. Am I faithful? You know, it's such a blessing to me when I'm asked to fill out job reference forms or someone calls and, and says, uh, can, can you be a reference for this? And so often I have to tell you, I'm so thankful to do that with joy in this congregation. I'm really so thankful. I just say, right, absolutely, my pleasure, because it is a pleasure. Because... That person who asked me has participated and served and been involved. And I can happily write of them, reliable, has integrity, trustworthy. I can check all the boxes, and it's great. It's so beautiful to be a faithful Christian. Faithful, you may remember, was one of the characters in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. What a great name to have, Faithful. Now, as Christian went on his way and looking forward, he saw Faithful before him on his journey. Then said Christian aloud, Ho, stay, and I will be your companion. At that, Faithful looked behind him, and Christian cried again, Stay, stay, till I come up to you. But faithful answered no. You remember that? Faithful answered no. My life is at stake. And the avenger of blood is behind me. At this, Christian was somewhat moved. And putting to all his strength, he quickly caught up with faithful and did also outrun him so that the last was first. Then did Christian vaingloriously smile because he had got the start of his brother. But not taking good heed to his feet, he suddenly stumbled and fell and could not rise again until faithful came up to help him. And Bunyan says, Then I saw in my dream that they went very lovingly on together and had sweet discourse of all things that had happened to them in their pilgrimage. It's a beautiful thing to be faithful. Faithful first to God. That comes across there. And, and then faithful to one another. And again, the question, 
beloved, this morning, can I be called faithful? Am I faithful to my promises, to my vows? We sang Psalm 15. When to his hurt he swears, not changes he. Our society is experiencing a pandemic of unfaithfulness in relationships, in business, in politics. But friends, judgment begins with the household of God. We must never stop at saying, they are so unfaithful. We must, in fact, begin always with this. Am I faithful? Am I faithful? Has the church been faithful in our generation to God? Has the church in Canada as a whole been faithful to God? Been faithful to his word? Paul says, helpfully, in 2 Timothy 2.2 in this regard, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will also be qualified to teach others. Pray for faithful men to serve in Christ's church, faithful to Jesus, faithful to the word of God. And ask God to search you this morning. Search your own heart. What is there in my life that shows I am a reliable, faithful servant of God in the church and in the world? Faithful in my life. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. I've been thinking a lot about faithfulness. Faithfulness can be a real challenge. If we're honest. And so I spent, I spent quite a bit of time praying and, and thinking about why is faithfulness hard? What are some foes of faithfulness? I think it's helpful to remember the context even here of this last section of Ephesians 6 because we've just come out of the section on spiritual warfare. Have we so quickly forgotten now that we're on to beloved brother, faithful servant, that we are in a battle, a spiritual battle, and it's not against flesh and blood, and we have an adversary who hates the beloved brethren and the faithful servants of Christ and will do anything he can and does try whatever he can to keep us from being a loving family of God and of being faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a battle. What are some of the foes of faithfulness? What can be a stumbling stone in your walk of faithfulness and mine? I just thought of a few, and I don't know why. They all started with F. Maybe it's easier to remember, but they did. Foes of faithfulness. F was just in my mind, but I don't think this is forced. Here's the first one. Feelings. Feelings. Feelings are good. God created them in us. We have them. But feelings are servants, not masters. Feelings. 
And think of feelings, how often our feelings can be a foe of our faithfulness. I don't feel like it is probably one of the greatest enemies of faithfulness in our lives. I don't feel like it. I don't feel it anymore. I'm justified to be unfaithful because I don't feel like I love my wife anymore. I love the saying that that I heard a while back. I probably said it to you too many times already. Husbands and wives don't fall out of love. They fall out of repentance. I don't feel like it. You made vows that didn't include your feelings as a footnote. You made vows, feelings. Beloved, we are servants. We don't have the luxury, or better yet, the liberty as servants to live by feelings. We serve. Secondly, fears. Fears. What will happen if I do what I promised? What I'm called to do? What God wants me to do? What will happen to me? Like soldiers that go AWOL in battle, fears can deflect us from duty. Watch out for your fears. I'll just put these out. We could say more about each one of them, but I won't this morning. Here's a third one. Fatigue. Fatigue. We just get tired. We shouldn't pretend that we are machines or robots. We're dust. Rest is good and right. The Bible teaches us this. Jesus exemplified this. He calls his disciples apart for rest. I'm not thinking about medical issues or chronic health conditions. And so hear this in the right way. And these came out of self-reflection more than anything else in the light of Scripture. Sometimes we let being tired be an excuse for unfaithfulness. I'm sure that like Paul, Tychicus was probably tired a lot. If we need to rest, if we need to change something, if possible, if we can change it in our lives or schedules, then we should. Maybe fatigue should be changed to laziness. Maybe that gets at it better. Matthew twenty-five twenty-six. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Sometimes our, our faithfulness, our lack of faithfulness can be traced simply to the root of laziness. Here's the next one, focus. Focus. Faithfulness can be attacked when we lose proper focus. When immediate 
rewards or immediate negative consequences take priority in our lives. We give in and we give out when we take our eyes off what matters most, and lo and behold, we stop being faithful or we flag in faithfulness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. I'm so often challenged in my faithfulness when I'm focusing too much on what is seen and temporary, and I've taken my eyes off what is unseen and eternal. I've lost focus, and I've lost faithfulness. Now, here's the last one for this morning. First love. First love. Unfaithfulness is a word, as I've already said, usually reserved in our day for relationships, especially marriage relationships. As the years go by, so often, sadly, we hear a person cheats, quote-unquote. They are unfaithful. They have forsaken their first love. And how applicable that is at times to our own lives as believers and our faithfulness. Revelation 2, 4 and 5, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first, or perhaps your first love, or both. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, faithfulness is fanned into flame by returning to that first love, our love of Christ, the one who first loved us. And the more that we have that first love kind of love toward Christ, faithfulness flows from it. Faithfulness flows from it. When we take our eyes off him, that's when we get into trouble. Think of that first love, the God who loved us in Christ before we ever loved him. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 12 prays, help, Lord, help, Lord, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. We all need help. No one is perfectly faithful. We need to keep our eyes fixed and our faith fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Tychicus was a beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord. It's all in the context of union with Jesus Christ, being united to him and living for him. We need to look to him. He is the faithful servant. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. That's our Redeemer. Revelation nineteen eleven. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, the Lord Jesus Christ. With justice he judges and wages war. And yet, in love and mercy for his people, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Before we could ever hope 
to be faithful servants. All of our hope and all of our faith need to be in the one who served us as our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, look to God, because God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. 1 John 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You have a sin of unfaithfulness to confess this morning. If you confess it in the name of Jesus, God is faithful to forgive you, to cleanse you. Christ is faithful. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. Christ is faithful, and the Spirit is faithful, and works faithfulness in those united to Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Oh, beloved, as we hear this commendation of Tychicus, and as we examine ourselves in light of God's word, Confess, repent, and by God's grace and the work of the Spirit, be faithful. Wherever you are, whatever your relationships, whatever your responsibilities, by God's grace, start again. Start again and be faithful. Faithful servants. Faithful in every little thing. He who is faithful in very a very little thing is faithful also in much. Luke 16.10 Pray for grace to be faithful in everything and faithful to the end. Do you remember faithful in Pilgrim's Progress? He's the martyr. He's the martyr of the story. Therefore, this is Vanity Fair, therefore they brought him out to do with him according to their law. At first they scourged him, then they buffeted him, then they lanced his flesh with knives, and after that they stoned him with stones, then pricked him with their swords, and last of all they burned him to ashes at the stake. Thus came faithful to his end. Now I saw that there stood behind the multitude a chariot and a couple of horses waiting for faithful who, so soon as his adversaries had dispatched him, was taken up into it, and straightway was carried up through the clouds with sound of trumpet, the nearest way to the celestial gate. Paul called Tychicus a faithful servant, 
but a greater commendation in gospel grace amazingly awaits all the true children of God. And the longer I live, the more remarkable these words ring in my ears. Remarkable in their unfathomable grace. And remarkable in their trouble and sorrow outweighing glory. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord.